This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Hi, this is Women Who Travel, a podcast from Condé Nast Traveller. I'm Lale Arikoglu, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Meredith Carey. Hello! For this week's episode, we've decided to do something that feels, well, a little wild right now. We're going to look ahead to the future and talk about dipping our toes back into travel once it's safe to do so. It's all part of our package, The Women Who Travel Guide to Getting Back Out There, a collection of stories that look at what travel might feel like in a post-vaccine world and how to get excited about it. Joining us in our virtual studio today are two of the package's contributors, Traveller's associate editor and podcast regular, Megan Spirell. Hi. And travel writer, Jessica Poitvien. To kick us off, I want to ask a question that under normal circumstances would be a very normal, casual question, but feels like so loaded these days, Um, (laughs) which is how is everyone doing right now? That is a loaded question these days. It's 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 been a loaded question this whole all of last year and definitely going into this year. Um, I am doing pretty well, staying busy with work, which is a blessing at a time when so many people are struggling in that department. And um, yeah, mostly spending time with family. Also, I was not expecting to be in Florida, but got stuck here during the pandemic and. Honestly, I'm glad that I got stuck with family. So feeling pretty good overall. Megan, how about you? I feel like we have to mention that we're recording this on like the end of inauguration day. So it's been a long (laughs) one. Long one as in long day, long month, long everything. Um, But I feel like, like right when you asked the question, I want to just like exhale. And that's kind of how I'm going into this year and feeling like a lot has happened. And I'm trying to, yeah, like exhale, relax, and try and look forward to what's ahead. I mean, I know the pandemic is still raging and there's a lot to feel down about, but I'm also trying to control the one thing I can, which is like my headspace. Um, and that's why this package, like it's so exciting to actually look forward when we have good news that we can, like from of the vaccine, we can really hold on to. I think as I have friends and family and friends of friends and friends of friends, family starting to get vaccinated because they're frontline workers or because of health issues or because of their age. It finally feels like I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. It feels like we've been just chugging along in this tunnel like we're here, like it'll end (laughs) at some point. And now, even though it feels like it's not as close as I would love it to be, um, 
you know, the end of the tunnel is in sight and that feels exciting and gives me a little bit more motivation to think to the future and make plans because I know we've been talking about, you know, Lolly and I have said on the podcast many times in the last year, it's hard to make hard plans right now. And, and this is giving me kind of a reason to a reason to do that. And I think even if it's not hard plans, it's sort of giving yourself permission to dream and fantasize a little bit. Soft plans. (laughs) The New York Times had a really lovely story over the weekend in the travel section about how important it is to let yourself dream and let yourself fantasize about the things you can't wait to do once we're able to. And it does help you get through to the next day. Um, So I'm doing a lot of that right now, especially given that my dad just got the vaccine. Shout out to Hassan. Nice. Oh. And shout out to the National Health System <laughs> in the UK. Awesome. Thank you, NHS. <laughs> so given that we're all sounding quite optimistic and quite hopeful right now, I don't want to bring the tone down, but thanks to the pandemic, I will say that I think travel and anxiety now go hand in hand and probably will do for some time. Jessica, you spoke to a range of travellers about their experiences and fears during this entire pandemic period and looking forward as well. Tell us a little bit about what you learned from that reporting. So I think the most interesting thing about what I heard from all these different travellers is that it really reflects the attitudes that we're seeing and the reality that we're seeing in that everybody is handling this pandemic differently you know, I know for me personally, one of the hardest things was feeling like I was living in a twilight zone and everybody had their own version of the twilight zone, their own version of reality. And I saw that to be true in my reporting as well, just with the range of people's feelings, what they felt comfortable with. Some people saying, I'm staying at home. I don't want to even be, even if to go to a hotel and sit in the hotel all day, I don't want to be in the same ventilation system. And then, you know, then there are other people who thought, okay, I can go out a little bit more, you know, maybe, um, I know somebody I spoke with went to a destination wedding, although that made them extremely nervous the entire time that they were there. They felt at least to a degree comfortable enough to be able to do that. So, yeah, so I found that interesting, just the range in how people are handling it, their views on what's appropriate, um, I think was a was a big thing. Also, in speaking with Bethany Teachman, who is a professor at the University of Virginia, she kind of went over a whole range of things as to what is making people so stressed out these days. I mean, there's a lot of things, but specifically <laughs> specifically as it relates to the pandemic and and traveling. And a lot of the things that she touched upon went beyond that idea of exposure. You know, that's kind of the, the obvious one. Everybody's afraid of, of being exposed to COVID. But then there are other aspects, people being afraid of travel shaming, which was a big one. They just don't want to be dragged on the Internet of friends or family or strangers calling them out for traveling in the middle of a pandemic. Um, There are people who maybe they are financially secure right now, but they're worried. What if I spend this money to travel and then something happens to my job and I regret having spent that money? So that was an interesting one um, that I hadn't thought about. 
there's a lot of different of different types of anxieties that are kind of manifesting themselves nowadays. Well, the one that um, I found quite striking that came up in your story from one of the women that you spoke to was also the anxiety that comes with the prospect of spreading COVID or giving mm-hmm. it to someone else and the kind of individual responsibility that everyone carries, which is sort of feels at odds with travel shaming anxiety, although I'm sure it all kind of, it does all kind of under the same umbrella mm-hmm. um, in the end. I'm wondering, the professor that you spoke to, did she offer sort of advice for dealing with that anxiety and also the sources you speak to, was there kind of like a common thread in terms of how they were trying to deal with it? Or was it just very much like, I'm going to stay at home? As far as the people I spoke with, uh, a common thread in how they're dealing with COVID-related anxiety, whether that's with travel or in life in general, it's been a lot of yoga and meditation and breathing exercises. <laughs> that has definitely, I think, been a common thread that I've that I've seen. Um, as far as the professor, she gave a, a few different tips. I think one of the most important ones and probably the, one of the more difficult ones is making sure that you are going to science-based, evidence-backed resources for information. Um, there's so much information out there and it it contributes to that sense of confusion and to that sense of being in the twilight zone because you read one article that says flying is totally fine and then you read another article that says X number of people were infected on a flight and then you just think, you know, all right, well, what am I supposed to do now with all this conflicting information? And, you know, she spoke a lot about how, you know, it's the fear of uncertainty and not being able to control your environment is what causes a lot of anxiety for people in general and especially now with COVID where there are so many factors that are out of our control. Another tip that she gave was to kind of change your mindset when you are considering your travel plans. So if you have to cancel plans, she suggests don't think of it as a cancellation, but more of a postponement kind of thing. She also suggested not even taking an all or nothing approach. You know, maybe you can drive to your destination to try and make it a little bit safer or you can you know, make adjustments so that you aren't completely throwing your plans in the trash, but you are still mitigating those different risk factors. You know, talking about what people are comfortable with, what their, you know, zone is for COVID, um, it's something that we've talked about a lot on the podcast. And I think a lot of anxiety right now can be wrapped up in this feeling of pressure to do things we're not comfortable with Right now, and, you know, you're talking about the person who went to the destination wedding, they were comfortable with doing that, but it also made them anxious. Um, <laughs> how has everyone been approaching these situations? How do you think it's going to change your approach to travel in the long run? Because, you know, when you're talking about things you can control, saying yes or no to something is a big part of that. Yeah, I so for this package, like one the story that I wrote was about the kind of power that comes from saying no to things you don't want to do or that you aren't comfortable with. And I think, I mean, it's something that I felt at moments, you know, in travel moments in the past, but especially during the pandemic, like 
you know, Jessica, reading your story, I thought of how I'm at different times, these different people, I have these different anxieties in different moments. But I think when you're confronted with an opportunity to go to a destination wedding or to maybe hang out with a bigger group of people than you want to or whatever it is, like I've felt so many moments where it's like I just get a gut feeling sometimes that like I either know I don't want to do something or I know that it makes me uncomfortable enough and think about it long enough that it's probably not something I should do. And I think what has helped me during this time is like, once I figure out where those those lines are of my comfort zone, you know, based on everything I've read, everything I know, like what feels like a good idea or not a solid good idea to me, my approach has just been really working on like communicating that to people, you know, because sometimes it's like, I know we talked about this before the holidays, um, you know, on the podcast and on in the stories online. And it's like, it was actually really hard for people to tell their own families they didn't want to travel home for the holidays, or maybe they lived in the same city or, and didn't want to get together. And I think, you know, we've all had some successes and probably some not in establishing those boundaries. But like, every time I've really asserted what I'm comfortable with and what I'm not, I have felt so much better in the end. Even though it sounds like a simple thing to do, just be like, oh, well, you don't want to go. You don't feel comfortable. Don't go. It is so hard to say that to people you love. So I think navigating that, I mean, I could definitely use more tips on how to do it successfully and and in a way that makes everyone feel great. But I think like that's my biggest takeaway from this time is like, okay, when you can say no to things and establish your comfort zone, like do it because in the long run, that's what makes you feel better. And um, it's definitely something I'm going to carry out of this. Well, and I think something that's really difficult with saying no to a social gathering now or a wedding now is that no matter how you couch it, you are basically saying, I am uncomfortable with the decisions that you are making and the way that you are living your life right now. And therefore, I am not going to be a part of it. And I think that's a hard pill for people to swallow. And honesty, obviously, is the only way that you can approach these situations. But I think that's why it's so hard to have those conversations. I have two phrases of mine that I've been kind of holding on to during this pandemic. One is for my mother. And when she says that nobody is going to look out for you more than you and her, like, you know, it's me and her are the <laughs> ones that are going to look out for me the most. <laughs> um, and so I think about that a lot when when making these tough decisions. Um, I'm very fortunate that majority of my friends, or at least the friends that live here in South Florida, are very much on the same page of, of being really careful. And we kind of established um, not quite a pod because then, you know, people are working and things like that. So it kind of more exposure potentials. But you know, we kind of established this routine amongst ourselves. And so I'm very fortunate in that. But I do know of people who have had to tell friends or family, no, I need you to put on a mask or I need you to, you know, keep your distance a little bit, that kind of thing. And it is really hard sometimes to say to be that forward, you know, because it it feels like there's a judgment being being passed when you're telling somebody wear a mask. It's almost like you're dirty, wear a mask. I don't trust you, even though it's totally not that. But, you know, it could feel that way. Um, so essentially that idea of nobody's going to look out for me more than me. If I were to get sick, I'm the one who's going to face the consequences. Nobody else, 
you know, consequences from health to medical bills, which are not fun in the United States. We do not have NHS like Lale's dad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so that kind of empowered me a little bit more to make the decisions that, you know, the few times that I had to make them, you know, that, that kind of empowered me. And the other phrase that I always remember comes from my aunt. I have a lot of women in my family. I love it. A lot. They're giving great advice. Yeah, they're very, yeah, advice. Say very wise women. <laughs> There's a lot of women in my family. And my aunt always said, if somebody has the audacity to ask you something that they should not be asking you, you can have the audacity to say no. And so, and like, just no fear, no yes. trepidation, just nope. I'm not going to not going to do that. So that's that's another one that I have been holding on to (laughs) in these times and making decisions. And, you know, a lot of the different travel anxieties that the you know women I spoke to mentioned are things that I've felt as well. You know, I've had the fear of travel shaming, even when I was just taking a drive up to North Florida, you know, I was thinking, oh, what are people going to think if I post it? You know, I, I usually post all of my travels on on Instagram. What are people going to think? Are they going to judge me? Am I going to get all these hate comments? And oh, it just makes me very nervous. <laughs> even think about, think about getting things like that. And then, of course, then there's that possibility of, you know, getting somebody sick and things like that. Um, So I I identified with a lot of that kind of back and forth and destination wedding is also a looming conversation in my life and um, something that has, you know, caused a lot of back and forth. I I really identified with what Megan said earlier about feeling like you're different people at different times, because sometimes I think, okay, I can take all these precautions and I can do X, Y, and Z, and then I will be totally fine. And then other times I think, oh, but what if this happens? And then what if there's this other unknown factor? And, you know, it's, I used to not be nervous at all about travel. It was just my, my biggest uh, anxiety with travel was just getting to the airport on time because I'm a last minute packer. Yeah, um, welcome to the club. <laughs> I'm like two hours before. Let's make it one. Um, but oh God, that stresses me out so much. <laughs> I, I was like, I was like, we might be the same person. <laughs> um, but yeah, but now there's just so many, so many different layers to it, for sure. Hi, I'm Michael Calori, the co-host of Wired's Gadget Lab. And I'm Lauren Good, the other co-host of Wired's Gadget Lab. Get ready to dive deep into the cultural phenomenon that's been shaping conversations, sparking movements, and breaking barriers for over a decade. The new three-part docuseries, Black Twitter, A People's History, based on the groundbreaking Wired cover story by Jason Parham, explores everything from the fun, games, and inside jokes that characterize the early years of Black Twitter, to the social movements, the voices and the hashtags that made Black Twitter an influential force in nearly every aspect of American political culture. Join us as we unravel the threads of this digital community, tracing its origins, celebrating its triumphs, and exploring its impact on society at large. Watch the series from Onyx Collective in association with Wired Studios, premiering on Hulu on May 9th. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. 
but that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. You know, we've been talking about dealing with family and friends and um, people a little closer to us and and approaching those situations. But I think something that we have probably all been missing that is such a huge part of travel is meeting new people. And I would love to know, after so much isolation, is meeting new people going to be an important part of your travel experience? And how do we even make new friends when, when we haven't been doing it in so long? It's such a silly question, but I really want to know. Oh my gosh, I miss new people so badly. It's not silly at all. Same. I'm a I'm a big people person, so I, I miss my random conversations with strangers. You know what I just, I really miss is being drunk in the bathroom of a bar and there's some woman who like says she loves your anything your anything anything or, or, yeah. or, your, or your outfit and then you're like oh my god I love you too and then you just talk to this randomer for like 10 minutes mm-hmm. never see each other again yes those and it's like, beautiful that's the golden interaction you know like the, and that those are the people and the moments that I didn't realize I needed to like more not having at the beginning of the pandemic. It was, you know, my family and my friends and my coworkers and like seeing people regularly. I'm worried that I'm going to like at the end of this be really overwhelmed by all the things we can do. I know that it won't be just all of a sudden life's back to normal. Mm-hmm. I know it'll take a long time and be gradual, but like, I don't know, thinking of how many people you interact with when you're on a trip and all all the excitement and like hubbub of the airport and the person sitting next to you and maybe you talk to the stewardess and blah, blah, blah. Like that sounds kind of overwhelming today right now. Like I'm (laughs) tired thinking about all that, even though I want it. It seems, I don't know how we'll adjust. I was in a bookshop the other day and you know, I feel like when you're in any public space at the moment, unless you're with someone you, you know, who you, you don't interact with anyone. You're just a mute walking um, around a store. Yeah, which <laughs> oh, is quite pleasant. Often. <laughs> and, and this guy started trying to talk to me about the book I'd picked up. And I, li- I think it was from like the best intentions. Like I think he just read the book and really liked it. <laughs> and I was like a deer in the headlights and I put the book down and I left. <laughs> so I was just like, I cannot... I cannot. <laughs> I had a similar experience recently, and I think I just looked at the guy like, it's, "Sir, no, now is not the time." Goodbye. First of all, just no, because please don't hit on me in public. Secondly, <laughs> this is a pandemic; you need to keep your distance. <laughs> yeah, but it did make me think about when especially when you're traveling alone and a huge part of that even though you are alone and enjoying your own company you also want the option of meeting new people and making new friends and I think that the techniques you apply as a solo traveler might be transferable to everyday life when we start to get back out there and I'm interested to know what everyone's sort of tricks are for socializing when they're on the road and sort of meeting people and getting chatting to people when they feel like doing so. I'm worried that one of my main things is like 
you know, you're, you're eating at the bar at some place you want to go and someone else is eating alone and you end up talking and you like give them some of your food. And like, <laughs> I think food and drink are such a way, easy way to bond with people that you don't know in a new place. Um, even if you don't really speak the same language, like you can kind of figure it out. And like, now I'm like horrified at the idea of like passing a bottle of grappa to a stranger like that to drink out of or something, which like those are the moments to me when you're traveling where you just like can easily connect. But I also think like we now every single person in the world has something very major in common to talk about now. The which small is what talk I last- don't think is going to be the problem. Like I think we will <laughs> all find that we are one much better at small talk because we all have a thing to start with. And two, I think I would hope that we've all become better listeners and actually might be able to turn the small talk into something more valuable because we have been missing that for so long that it won't feel as like simple and quick. It'll feel like more of an interaction. I think the thing that I am thinking about more as I think about what my trips going forward will look like is if I'm on a solo trip and I'm by myself, but I want to meet new people or I need that human interaction, I think like I will do things at like group activities that I might not have considered previously so that there is like a small designated group of people for me to like start friendships with, whether that's a cooking class or just like a group walking tour. Doesn't have to be something big and crazy, but just to like, again, like the pandemic is that equalizer, like have some activity or thing that breaks that barrier that would exist otherwise if if we were just just strangers. A barrier that I think didn't exist as much before, but I think will going forward is that kind of just nervousness about someone being close to you in a store or asking you random questions is kind of eliminated when you're all forced into, you know, some sort of hands-on thing or just walking (laughs) around. That's, That's, I think, something that I'm thinking about more and more is like how I can put myself in a position to meet people, specifically do things to meet people rather than rely on going to a bar or going to, you know, sit at the, you know, main table at a restaurant. Because I think it's going to be harder at the beginning to get back into the swing of that specifically. (laughs) The things that you just mentioned are actually my favorite ways of meeting people. When I travel, I will always do a walking tour and I will always, or I will I love food tours specifically. Those are fun. Um, But I will always do some kind of activity and then make it a point to make some friends during that activity. And a lot of times there are other solo travelers there too. And then we'll end up teaming up to go gallivanting about the city or doing whatever. Um, The people are definitely the part of travel that I love the most and the part that I miss the most. And even... You know, I'm the kind of person that will chat up the Starbucks barista. I used to be a Starbucks barista for that reason. So it, it, the, the people aspect is definitely what I miss the most and want to get back to. I've found that I am connecting more with people on social media nowadays. Um, a long time ago, uh, somebody that, I've, that I follow, she says, you know, why don't people introduce themselves online? You know, we kind of just watch people's lives and then never interact or never have, you know, we just start conversations with them without any kind of 
normal thing that you would have if you were in person. If you were in person, you would probably introduce yourself. And so I've been doing that. I've kind of made a practice of that. If I follow somebody new because I really like their account, I will message them and say, hey, I just found your account and I really love it. My name's Jessica, you know, nice to virtually meet you. <laughs> and like that, I've I've made a, a few internet friends and I even met one of my internet friends in, in, in person. So it's, it's cool. We have these new ways that we can meet people. And I have a feeling that because we're all starved for that social interaction, that even people who were maybe not super open to it before will be more open to it once they have the opportunity. You know, I know one of my friends, she's not really a huge party person, but she's like, when this is over, I want to go to the clubs. I want to be like a 20, <laughs> you know, like flashback to my early 20s and just we're get, going to Vegas. We're going, yeah, she you know, just go all out. <laughs> uh, this is, I'm going to be at the first rave. I just, just want to go to a, a rave so desperately. Um, I think going back to, you know, walking tours and cooking classes and food tours, thinking about when we kind of things start to open up and we ease ourselves back into socializing again. There are lots of those sorts of group activities that take place outdoors, which I think will be a wonderful kind of in-between, like a wonderful in-between stage for people to start to socialize again. You know, especially there's some great um, hiking and outdoors organizations. We did a whole collection of stories about them um, back in the summer for women who travel. But one that comes to mind is Hike Club, the L.A.-based um, women's hike club that's run by Evelyn Escobar-Thomas. And she runs like outdoor meetups when it's safe to throughout like L.A.'s parks and hiking trails. Um, and in the story that we published about meeting new people that runs in part with this current package, part of it talks to one woman who has who is a big diver and she's always used diving lessons and diving experiences as a way to meet new people. And the story uses it as such a wonderful analogy, to, firstly, to say that, you know, you're kind of with someone and getting to know someone, but you're in the water and you're apart at the same time and you can be... You're, you're as outside as you can possibly be. Alex Adikian, who wrote the story, also likened the, that experience of coming up for air as kind of what we're going to feel like after this. That first time of kind of taking that plunge and then coming up for air with someone by your side. And that just feels very appealing to me. And it, and it, and it reminded me that there's lots of opportunities to meet new people maybe slightly sooner than we expect. I was going to say like... It makes me think of some of the types of trips that we're talking about when we first get back out there. I think a lot of people have these things that they kind of always wanted to do or always put off. And I, for me, one of them is like getting certified to scuba dive. And it it is kind of nice to be like, you know, when you're accomplishing something like that and you have other people who are working on a shared thing, it's it just that small talk gets easier. Like we were talking about, like you have your people who are kind of there for the same purpose. And I think those types of trips as well will just be like so popular and so satisfying. And like, it would be really nice to go through something really meaningful with strangers as well, you know, that like physically in the same place diving together. That sounds fantastic. You know, we asked this question to uh, Samantha Brown last week, but speaking of 
the diving trip. I feel like this lolly is going to be a question that we ask at the end of every episode <laughs> coming up. So uh, buckle up for everyone's answers, everyone. But, um, <laughs> you know, speaking of, you know, a trip that you want to take, what are the places that you guys or the types of trips that you want to take first? What is your like first big trip back out there? Sounds so dramatic. <laughs> back out there. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hop on the longest flight possible and just go wherever, <laughs> wherever okay, that will I'm take like, me. Yeah, where don't I want to go? <laughs> there's a part of me that feels like I'm wasting time. I mean, there's nothing I can do about it because, you know, the world is what it is. But there's I have this sense of, you know, I'm, I'm 30 and not that my life is going to end anytime soon, but kind of I need to take advantage of my youth and get out there and do all these things. And I'm like. The world needs to get it together so I can go out and do <laughs> and do all of these things. So I joke with my family. I'm like, the minute it's safe, I am hopping on a plane. I'm going to Asia and you're not going to see me for a long time. I just I, I have not been to Asia at all. And that has really been high up on my list for a long time. So there's definitely a good possibility that my first trip will be there. But on the flip side, something, you know, talking about what we were saying earlier about fantasizing and how that can help people get through. My family and I, we've been fantasizing about this ball that happens every year at Versailles, at the Palace Versailles. And everybody, especially if you just watch Bridgerton, it really <laughs> will make you. It's called um, Gal Galance. I'm saying that terribly with my French last name. That's embarrassing but um so they have a ball they have two balls every summer and you dress up in you know period clothing like 18th century type clothing and you know with the big skirts and the and so we have oh, been I need to see photos you it's I'll, I'll send them to you it's so beautiful <laughs> and they have one ball that's more like a clubby kind of experience everybody's still dressed up but it's clubby and then the other one is just straight Baroque music, the outfits, everything. And so my family, we have been dreaming of going to that. That's been our collective thing that we've been talking about, that we get really excited about. And my sister is already trying to come up with a budgeting plan because you have to buy, <laughs> you have to buy these tickets you know, November, December to go in the following June, you know, June of the following year. So she wants to budget now so that if things are good by November, December, we can buy to go to go by June. So that's that's that sounds a like one. a great timeline to work with as well. Right? Like you I can feel, I legitimately feel get excited. Exactly. I I sincerely hope by that by June 2022, you know, you're, that in, you're in a full period dress. I am so I love dressing up for festivals and things. I went to Oktoberfest in 2019, which I'm so glad that I got to do that. I spent like two months in Europe and and I got went to Oktoberfest. 70% of the reason was because I wanted to wear the dindle. I was just like, <laughs> I really want to wear one of those. <laughs> so yes, I'm excited for the period clothing. <laughs> Megan, besides getting scuba certified. Is there a specific place that you want to go or another type of trip that you're thinking about? My first little lap will be like seeing family and friends that I've missed a ton, like most people. Um, but I think 
Yeah, I definitely want to get scuba certified. I want to like I'm having a mix of wanting to be in like beautiful natural places. So that's like the scuba will scratch that itch. And then just like cities, like exciting cities that I've always dreamed of. And I think, um, you know, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but last year I was supposed to go to Beirut and Istanbul, both places I've never been. And like, I'm getting that on the books immediately. Um, and I also want to return to cities I love. So like I used to live in Rio and I haven't been there since I lived there like years ago. And I just want to get back and like dance to music with strangers in the street. Like that is what I'm craving. So <laughs> it's, it's mainly doing all the things I've put off for years. <laughs> I feel like my duality is that I, on one hand, really want to just like park it on a beach. And I want to be not doing anything because I have decided to do that. Like mm. I chose to do absolutely nothing versus like currently being limited to very few things. So, like, going back to the British Virgin Islands is, like, one hand. Other hand, same thing with cities. I'm like, get me to Singapore. Get me to Hong Kong. Get me to, like, hustle, bustle, lights, things I've never seen before. Food I haven't tried. Like, I want all new things, and I want to be very overwhelmed by that. Um, like, I have those two types of trips that are both, like, so equally... Um, I think going to be so equally fulfilling that I need to figure out how to execute them ASAP as soon as we are able to, because I think I need both. I need both things. And probably if I joined you on that trip to Asia, we could probably find a beach to sit on. I think so. And a city to go to. I think we can. Yeah. <laughs> We're all going to have a lot of vacation days piled up, so I think you'll be able to do it all. Yes. I Perfect. think those sort of like, those two-pronged dreams feel very common for people because I also have that which is that on the one hand I'm you know I've been very lucky that I live with my partner like we have been able to support each other throughout this whole thing but we live in a tiny apartment we're both used to traveling loads and I would love to just go off on a trip by myself and be independent and explore by myself and like get to know myself again because I think that you know, this past year has probably all changed us all in like ways we're not quite aware of yet. And I want to find out like who I am at the end of this. That sounds very like sort of. I mean, that's your eat, pray, love fantasy. I was going to say, eat, pray, love fantasy. It's very eat, <laughs> eat, pray, love. But you know what? That book wasn't written in the context of a global pandemic. So <laughs> um, you can write the pandemic version. Mm. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Apologies in advance, everyone. <laughs> Um, so I think, so that for sure, I mean, even something as basic as I just, I have just been fantasizing about walking around an airport terminal in the early hours, waiting for a flight literally to anywhere. Um, but then on the flip side, I want to get together with as many friends and family as possible in a house somewhere beautiful and get to just drink and eat and be silly and be on holiday together. And I've been thinking about Greece a lot, which is a country that I love and is gives you both things. You can have the chaos of a city in Athens and then you can have the lounging on the beach and doing nothing on one of the many, many islands. Um, so I've been thinking about that a lot and then would love to tack on Istanbul, which is a city I know well and love. So Megan, maybe we can meet up there. See you there. I would love to see Istanbul <laughs> through Lale's eyes. And then my conscience 
means that I have to say that obviously the first trip I'm going to do is go home to London. That That's a given. <laughs> Just need to say it out loud. <laughs> um, we are so excited to get back out there and we kind of want to know where you, our listeners, want to go as well. So if you have time this week, please send us a voice memo to women who travel at sandtraveler.com with your name, where you are, and what your first big trip back out there is. And you might hear yourself in an upcoming episode. If people want to keep track of where we all end up going, where <laughs> can they find you on social media, Jessica? <laughs> um, the best place would definitely be Instagram, and that would be at she dreams of travel. Which I am oh, currently dreaming angle. of travel, right? Oh my god! <laughs> what a transition. <laughs> uh, Megan, where can people find you? I'm at Sprally. I'm at Oh Hey There Mayor. I'm at Lale Hannah, where I'm currently not doing much, but I promise my Instagram will get more exciting soon. <laughs> um, if you need the most exciting Instagram, follow Women Who Travel uh, and subscribe to our newsletter and sign up for our Facebook group. All of that information, along with everyone's links and the email address that I mentioned where you should send your voice memo will be in the show notes, along with all the stories we mentioned, including Jessica's. Thank you guys so much for joining us and we will talk to you next week. Hi, I'm Deborah Treisman, fiction editor of The New Yorker. Each week on the Writer's Voice podcast, New Yorker fiction writers read their newly published stories from the magazine. You can hear from authors like Colson Whitehead. Turner nudged Elwood, who had a look of horror on his face. They saw it. Griff wasn't going down. He was going to go for it, no matter what happened after. Or Joy Williams. Her father was silent. Slowly, he passed his hand over his hair. This usually meant that he was traveling to a place immune to her presence, a place that indeed contradicted her presence. She might as well go to lunch. Listen to new stories or dive into our archive of great fiction. You can find the work of your favorite fiction writers and discover new ones. Listen and follow The Writer's Voice wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.